Greetings, my friends. This is Dr. Gracie Pozo Christi from the Catholic Association, and you're listening to Conversations with Consequences. If you're listening on the radio, this is a weekly radio show. If you're listening otherwise, then you're listening to our podcast. And we are happy to have you either way. This week, I am in studio in D.C. with two of my colleagues from the Catholic Association. So nice to have Maureen Ferguson here. Hi, Maureen. Hey there. Great to be chatting with you again. I know. So happy to see your face. We usually chat by phone or by email, sometimes by Skype. But now I get to see her actual face in a beautiful day in D.C. Actually, I'm very impressed with the weather here. I just came up from Miami where the weather, um, although our producer... Mike Washaba was just telling me that the weather is sort of horrible there. He was just there. It's always hot. I was there for vacation, finished a cruise, and the humidity was just outrageous. But I can see why you live there. It's gorgeous and beautiful there. Maybe the you're time. a big baby. <laughs> Maybe that's the problem. We like the humidity in Miami. It keeps our skin supple. So my other friend from the Catholic Association is Andrea Picciotti Bayer. Hi, Andrea. Hi, Gracie. You're enjoying the, the weather here in D.C., but I'm, you like you like humidity of Miami, right? For the suppleness of the skin, yes. <laughs> I do recall growing up in Boca in Florida, and my grandfather at the time used to pronounce, we're sweating bullets, because he was Sicilian. So, yes. Bueno, grandfathers always say that darndest things, right? We don't sweat bullets in Miami, but we're always swatting mosquitoes. <laughs> or cockroaches. Or cockroaches. fly. Yes, our cockroaches fly. They're very special in Miami. But it looks like the Garden of Eden. I know, right? It's, it's a beautiful place, especially where I live. I live right near the beach, and I, and I spend a lot of time on the beach, which is wonderful, and I wish you could all join me more often. But I've, I've actually been on my beach with Maureen and with Andrea. So my children, we, this is Andrea, and we were visiting Gracie and her beautiful family after Christmas, and uh, I think everyone realizes that we should be living in Key Biscayne. It's lovely here. It's lovely here. We've been fortunate to live in wonderful places, but um, it's as if, I think it's heaven. It pretty much is heaven with the Christies. Okay, well, forget you heard that because we don't have room for all of you. (laughs) My kid's favorite part of visiting Gracie Christie in Key Biscayne is riding around on the golf carts. Oh, that's right. That they can drive even if they don't have a license. That's right. Well, don't say that out loud. The police might hear you. (laughs) my favorite part was the golf carts with um, the key that's actually a steak knife, oh. which was a bit of a challenge for the younger children to manage and wield without wielding it towards each other. But that's okay. That was another story. It was lovely, and you can really pick up speed if you're trying to catch Gracie. Well, all of Andrea's uh, children survived the golf cart escapades, and so now here we are collected in D.C., and today... We have a very special show because our show, we're having two of the founding members of a wonderful group called Canavox, and uh, they'll be joining us in a little bit. But all of us, I think all three of us, Maureen and Andrea and I, have all had some experience with Canavox. I personally, they're a a foundation that does reading groups. It's international, and we're going to hear all about that. But personally, I'm I'm about to get very heavily involved in September. I'm going to be directing one of those reading groups and connecting with other moms uh, in my in my parish and in my community and it's it's all about things that interest women like us right Maureen I mean these the topics are marriage and family that's right these reading groups are amazing they focus on um, educating oneself about marriage and the sexual culture and I feel like Uh, Of course, as parents, we are the primary educators of our children, but the culture has been changing so much on these issues so quickly that it's hard to even find the vocabulary, how to find the language to teach our children. And we, the primary educators of our children, really need to be educating ourselves, and Canavox is just a fantastic way to do that. Well, Maureen, this is Andrea. Um, it's interesting that you said we need to prepare ourselves. I was thinking my older kids who are in their 20s, um, I was dealing with a much different world, uh, parenting them. And now my younger ones that are in preschool and kindergarten are, are raising questions, and I need help. <laughs> I don't know the language. I don't know the answers. And it's complicated or... I think you need to go and brush your teeth is probably not <laughs> not exactly what they need uh, to have all of those little beautiful questions 
Well, I think I think that's why Canavox was found was founded. It was founded to give uh, parents the the necessary language and the necessary understanding of, of the philosophies that are overtaking our culture, so that we can we can form our children ourselves and not let the culture do it. But why don't we let the uh, actual women of Canavox, who founded Canavox, tell us about about their their uh, their foundation? So, Canavox was started in 2013. And one of the foundresses is here. Anna Samuel is joining us by phone from, I think, Princeton. Is that true? Anna? Oh, I'm very, I'm sorry to say, I think we've lost Anna, hopefully very momentarily, but we are very, we're very happy to have another Anna here. Anna Victoria Betancourt. I'm using her Spanish pronunciation. And she's also a founding mother of Canavox. And, uh, she works as the International Programs Manager, and she's also a resident counselor, and she treats depression and anxiety, so I think that gives her lots of uh, professional um, reasons to be involved in Canavox. And uh, welcome, Anna, to our studio. She's here in studio with us. Thank you. It's so great to be here. So you are one of the people, you're one of the women who actually founded Canavox, so there were seven of you. Can you tell us how the seven of you uh, made this uh, this this great jump because I know you've invested a tremendous amount of energy and time into this project. Yes, absolutely. Um, so seven moms were brought together. Um, Anna Samuel was one of the ones that she contacted me originally, and she said, "You know, I know you, and I know a lot of people are upset and." with a culture and we need resources. So would you like to help me start this? And me along with six other moms started Kinovox and at the beginning we didn't really know um, exactly what it was gonna look like. So we have progressed and developed as we have grown. Um, so we didn't have, we didn't start with a blueprint of this is what we're gonna do. Um, we just knew that there was a need and then as we developed and as we grew, we started finding where the needs were more more and more and finding the resources to meet those needs. So I want to hear what's what you thought in the beginning was the most pressing need, but I think we have Dr. Samuel is on the phone now. Are you are, can you hear us Dr. Samuel? Can you hear me? Yes, perfectly. Thank you. Oh, wonderful. So Dr. Samuel is the daughter of Mexican immigrants and the wife of an Argentine immigrant and the mother of six awesome children. Awesome awesome children. Did you put that in Andrea? Or I think all children are awesome, especially Anna. <laughs> and, and, and Anna Victoria's. And mine. And I yours. think all the children represented here are awesome. I totally agree. And so she's one, also one of the, the founding members of Canavox. So, Anna, welcome to the program. Thank you for, for being on with us today. Thank you, Gracie. Thank you for having me. So, um, Anna was telling us about uh, how, what, what drove you, what, what, what were the needs that you, that you felt were out there that you could meet with Canavox? What, what, was, sure, what do you sure. think was the most pressing need? What, what, did, what jumped sure. out at you at first? So we, we began with this insight from the Witherspoon Institute. So I'm a research scholar at the Witherspoon Institute. And we saw that we were, we were at a standstill with the marriage debate. This is before the Supreme Court case on gay marriage. We could see the writing on the wall. We saw that gay marriage was um, making an advance to the Supreme Court. And we all knew that mothers were the untapped voice in the debate. And I had these scholars around me saying, how do we reach the mothers? Because their voice is missing, and they are the ones who are going to be most vested in the culture that is coming at us. And so couldn't agree more. We saw we didn't want to repeat what was already out there. So what was already out there? Tons of blogs, lots of articles online. Take your pick of the resource. Many people on their cell phones reading articles alone. What else was already out there? A zillion petitions. You get petitions all the time opposing this and that. Was it making a dent? We couldn't really tell. What else was already, was there a lot of already? Lectures. You would fly in an academic to a particular town. This great speaker is here to talk about what marriage is. You gather all the people around for a day and then people would disperse. We didn't want to repeat what was already there. We saw a need for community organizing, face-to-face -face network building among the mothers. So that's what we set out to do. Did you, Anna, did you feel that people uh, understood that things were going wrong, but that they felt isolated and they, they didn't have anyone to stand with them in that same corner? Absolutely, absolutely. Especially in, in, on the coast, I would say, on the East Coast, on the West Coast, 
um, Chicago area, a lot of them where, where there are more progressive pockets of activism, you definitely found a lot of people who felt alone, frustrated, upset, kind of like didn't know what to do. They read all these articles online and it just got them flustered and frustrated and they didn't know what they could do. So absolutely, that was a big driver. Dr. Samuel, this is Andrea. Um, I think I know the answer to this, but I was intrigued by the name. And I was wondering if you could explain what's the significance of Canavox as a name for us. So the name was coined by Doug Mainwaring, who was, in the beginning, Doug and I were the ones trying to concoct what this new thing would be. And I have to give credit to Doug. He came up with the name. It's a reference. It's a biblical reference to a wedding where Christ saves a wedding from disgrace. I, I, it is a reference to, to wedding, and, and the word vox is a Latin word for voice. So it's about giving marriage a voice, giving real marriage a voice and saving marriage from disgrace. No, now, and, and to the, my surprise, to my great surprise, once Jewish women started joining Canavox, uh, I started getting questions from the Jewish women. Why have you picked a Jewish name to title your organization for marriage? Oh. And I was like, what does this mean? And they said, well, the word Cana is a reference in in Hebrew to the marital contract. So that word is apparently deeply symbolic for Jews regarding marriage. And it also puts an interesting gloss on the location of the wedding at Cana being in this town named after this Hebrew word referring to marriage. So promptly I asked my Muslim sisters who were involved in Cana (laughs) the word Kanam and anything for Islam. And I don't think it does, but... But it certainly has Judeo-Christian resonance. Um, and even though we're natural law-based, Canavox is very open to women of all faiths. And so it's a name that has worked very well for us. Dr. Samuels, this is Maureen Ferguson here. I uh, just took such delight last night preparing for this interview and reading through um, your uh, the resources that you have for the reading groups, the various topics. I see cohabitation, marital fidelity, communication in marriage, importance of fatherhood. Uh, it, it goes on and on, sex ed in the schools, pornography. It, you're just hitting on all these hot topics that moms need to better educate themselves about. And I'm wondering if you could um, tell us because I know you're the you know you're a graduate of Princeton University. You have a PhD from the University of Notre Dame. You're kind of the brain behind the curriculum. So I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about how you select the the sources for the reading groups, and um, sure. and some of the topics you discuss. Sure. So first, I have to give credit to all the Canavox state leaders because even though I'm sort of the commander in chief of the academic part. It's through dialogue with state leaders that we come up with these really great curated lists of readings. Now, I'm not going to share my recipe with you, Andrea, because we have found, we have stumbled <laughs> upon what I think is our secret recipe for what combination of readings really get people jazzed up. Like, what kind of readings fill their minds? What kinds of readings inspire their hearts? help their heart grow in empathy for what's going on and what kinds of readings create solidarity. So that combination of readings always aims to be very needy, to instruct the mind. And for that, I'm very grateful to the Witherspoon Institute because I am connected through Princeton University's work at the James Madison program and through the Witherspoon Institute with the best academics in this field from a number of locations all over the world. So I, am, I have access to academics who can tell me, yes, that writing is good, or that one's a little dodgy, don't use that one. And of course, getting the ideas right is a very important thing. I take that job very seriously, making sure that we're spreading truth and not mediocre error, right? Well, um, but it's with the Canavox State leaders that then we add personal stories and other, other kinds of things to the mix that really inspire the average person. Well, Anna, I, I, Anna, sorry, I see that you don't shy away from difficult topics. I'm also looking through the topic list, so we'd like to hear more about that right after we come back from your break. Won't you stay with us?
We are back. This is Conversations with Consequences. I'm Dr. Gracie Boso Christie. I'm here with my uh, friends from the Catholic Association, my colleagues Maureen Ferguson and Andrea Picciotti Bayer. And we're also back with the two of the founding members of Canavox. And we're hearing all about this amazing program that uh, teaches the most interested parties who are mothers. I'm a mother, I like to think of myself as the most interested party how to uh, handle the difficult cultural uh, challenges that our children are facing, how to understand them and then turn around and explain it to them. So we were just talking on the phone. We have uh, in studio Anna Betancourt, and we have on the phone Anna Anna Samuel. um, And we were just talking to her about how, uh, what a really interesting mix of uh, topics that the readings of the Canavox program go through. And I'm just looking at the pages. I'm looking at it as we speak, and everything is covered, everything that's so uh, uh, confusing right now, things like trans- uh, gender identity, egg harvesting and IVF, adoption, cohabitation, same-sex parenting, uh, pornography. These are all things that all of us uh, are, ex- are facing in one way or another in our families and our communities. So how did you come up with such an interesting group of, of uh, topics, Anna. Anna. <laughs> well, it was really organically. We were all laughing about our founding, with our founding mothers, we would say, we're building the fl- plane as we fly, because <laughs> each month we would have a new topic, and we realized we need to talk about this. So it was just as we went, we, co- we created this kind of canon of reading. And, and did you create it th- because of the feedback you were getting? Like you would open one topic and then the questions at the end and the discussion would lead you in a new direction? Sometimes. That was sometimes how it worked. I mean, I do the training in a lot of these issues. So some of this just was left over from my graduate school years, topics that I knew had to be part of this curricula. But a lot of it did come from what people were dealing with. I mean, for example, one big surprise to me was that women were saying to us, we need to have a session on sexual intimacy in marriage. Mm. Just we don't have any guidance on how to have a healthy sex life with our husband. That's true. Now, this was not a topic I ever set out to venture into, and I never dreamed women would want to come together to talk about this with other women. It was really outside of my scope. But sure enough, we put together some readings, and that has been one of the most I don't want to say popular. It's been it's, it has really filled a need for so many women and led to great fruit from that session alone. I guess that's one of the topics that people assume everyone's handling intimately in a in in a in their own private way, and no one needs to talk about it. And meantime, we're all struggling a little bit, right? The culture the culture points yeah. us in 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 ways that aren't really compatible with many of the things that make marriages yeah. strong yeah. in that in that part of our marriages. So, right. Anna, and, you know, yes, mm-hmm, go ahead. No, please, go ahead. Well, I, I was going to say that we have here Anna Betancourt in the studio, and she is, uh, maybe she can tell us about the, you can tell us about the, the actual practice of Canavox, how it actually unfolds in a, in a reading group, for yeah. instance. Well, I've had a reading group for five years, and it's amazing to see that the people are so lonely because we've been accustomed to stay quiet about these issues. You know, you read in the news, the baker that doesn't want to bake the cake and the photographer that doesn't want to take the pictures. And, you know, we're all been, we're all kind of afraid because we could lose relationships. We could lose friends. We could even lose jobs. And when we say to people, you know, you're not alone, um, come together. You don't have to read that article alone in your house. Come out of your house. Come on, let's go. Come to my house. Mm-hmm. Let's meet at a coffee shop. Let's meet at a restaurant. And let's talk about these issues in a safe place. You realize we have so much more support. And there are so many more people out there than we think that support us. But they feel alone. And um, being in a group, what I, the feedback that I receive is the um, shame that goes away. Because when you're – when you um, – experience something in your family like you know your husband watches porn or you know your son watches porn or your little daughter tells you she wants to be a boy you know you want to hide it because Mm -hmm. it's shameful and but there are two things that are very um natural to human beings and one it's you know we're all wired for struggle and we're all imperfect and two we are social being beings and the way we feel safe is through other people and those two things those two needs are met in a Canavox group because you come you come to a Canavox group and you realize you don't have to be so ashamed and you're not alone and you find that support with other people and usually people don't want or need to be fixed 
They need to feel that they have a good, authentic friendship. And that happens in our Kinovox group. In addition to the, you know, academic educational component, you find support. So, for example, I had, you know, just recently when one of the women in my group said, through the readings and through the conversation, because it's, you know, you do the readings on mm-hmm. your own, but then you, you talk about it with other people, and it really brings it to life. And she realized that she needed to work on her marriage. And she found that in Kinovox, she found the support that she didn't have outside. And she found a therapist, went to therapy, and other people in Kinovox helped watch her kids so that she could go to therapy once a week with her husband. So that's the, the, the multi multi um, aspect effect that Kinovox has on people. So you're building networks. You're building networks of women that can talk about the things that are affecting them, read about uh, different uh, ways of approaching these things. No, from a scientific perspective or, or what Anna Samuel said. You, Anna, Anna Samuel, you said, Dr. Samuel, you said uh, from a natural law perspective. Could you Absolutely. explain to us what that perspective is for our listeners? Yes. Yes, really natural law is the form of philosophy just that appeals to human ethical codes that are universal to all of us. So, but, but we also use natural law as code for sound social science, secular or non-revelation-based reasoning. So some of our readings appeal to sexual economics, where we look at models of how this culture works based on sex economics. And we have readings that appeal to psychology, so what we're doing is drawing from the vast resources we have to fill people's minds. Because a lot of people know what they believe because of their faith, but they don't know how to explain that in language that is more effective in the public square. And that's what people are looking for, an education for, okay, I know man, God made man, man and woman, but okay, what do I say about transgenderism? And, you know, they don't want to be citing sentences. They want to be up to date in science. So that's what we're doing through our natural law social science, psychology, et cetera. Dr. Samuel and, and Anna Victoria, this is Andrea. Um, it, it, Gracie touched upon something after uh, listening, especially to Anna Victoria, explain kind of the, the practical um, unfolding of Kenovox that, that and you mentioned it before about uh, grassroots. This is a grassroots movement. Um, and I think that's really cool because it, it really does bring it down to the local level informing ourselves in our neighborhoods and schools and our communities um, and also through friendship and that that friendship that's uh, developing organically in the groups is helping people to face their own relationships, their own families, their own um, friendships as well and giving a a little bit of uh, clarity to things that are difficult. Um, And I was wondering if you could say both of you, um, since Canavox started, what have been some of the delightful surprises that you've seen um, in launching the program and, and some of the feedback that you've heard in these local groups? Either one. <laughs> Anna, Bethancourt, why don't you answer first? Okay, sure, I'll go ahead. Um, in my experience, what's been unexpected um, for me was, you know, before I started Kinovox, I thought that when I engage in these arguments, I needed to win them with, you know, epically worded ideas, you know, mic drop worthy. And in Kinovox, we have learned, you know, through feedback that empathy, that's where it starts. And, you know, before you word an argument and you need to empathize with people. So um, empathy is the best conversation starter. It's not really a question. And we think that, you know, we start a conversation with, with someone when we ask a question. But when we empathize with them, that connection can lead, you know, to, to great dialogue and conversation. And many times people think that empathy means endorsement. If you empathize with somebody, you think that you endorse their ideas and, and their beliefs, and that's not true. You can, you can empathize with an emotional experience of somebody and challenge their behavior and not agree with their unhealthy behaviors. And then once you have that connection, then then you challenge, you know, then then you build. So um, I think that has been really um, new to a lot of people. And the other thing that's been unexpected is the amount of support um, because the language that we use is natural law, practical wisdom, and science, and that is universal. It transcends culture. It transcends transcends. Uh, you know, religion. So it doesn't matter your religious affiliation or whether you're Hispanic or African-American. These truths appeal to people. You have a wonderful video on on your website 
uh, on gender, on gender ideology, and I've watched it several times. I've recommended it to many people. I've I've sent it to many people because I've I have found that there is so much confusion on this topic. It seems like the culture suddenly made a decision and left a lot of people behind saying, wait, 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 that doesn't make any sense. And why is this happening? And, and I, what I love about your, your video that you made is that it has, uh, a, it's completely based on social science and on, on psychology. And there's, there's really no mention of, of any faith-based or revelation. You know, God decided it was going to be this way. So that's, that's how it is. And do you find, uh, Dr. Samuel, that this is the best way to reach people to uh, not just and not just to reach people of no faith, but even to reach people of faith? Is this your best oh, tactic? Yes, absolutely. It really is because it, it just lights people up. We all we're all searching for those reasons, those common sense reasons, right? The things that our grandmothers knew, but now we need social science to prove. Mm-hmm. We're all searching for the the reasons just to say at the bus stop. You don't want to get on into these deep theological things. I just need a few one-liners here to plant the bug in somebody's ear. And so that's what people are searching for. But I would love, Gracie, if I may come back to something Andrea said earlier. If she touched on a topic, I really hope we, we discuss a little bit on this call, sure. which is the grassroots nature of Kinovox, because this is so important. I really hope, and it also ties into one of the biggest surprises that I've encountered working in Kinovox. Um, so the biggest surprise to me has been when we started Tinovox, we said, we're not going to debate the other side. Okay, chill out. Don't worry. Nobody's going to have to go head to head with the gay rights activists because that's what everybody's afraid of. We're just going to preach to the choir. Why? Because the choir is not singing. Okay, we're going to teach the choir the song. Mm-hmm. We're going to sing it together. We're going to strengthen ourselves. Well, lo and behold, what happened when we focused on strengthening ourselves? Miraculously, organically, we started talking to the other side. Never expected it. Why is that? Because of that social network. So each mother has incredible social power. I do not think women are aware of their social power. We now have the science of social networking that explains to us that your average mom, you know, she has her friends from the church she volunteers once a month. And she has the mommy friends from her children's school and the parents on the soccer field, and then there's a cash register that she sees every week, and then her husband's coworkers, and the women from her gym, and her mother-in-law's bridge group, and all of this is a vast social network. She does not realize how much power she has just by moving and grooving in her community, being that sweet person who just drops this comment or gives that encouraging smile or takes soup to her neighbor. She has much more power than that person with a thousand friends on Facebook. And, and what the about reason this is important? Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I was, what about so, Kinovox is teaching her about her power? It's it's the group exactly. dynamic. The group dynamic, mm-hmm. but also, I mean, we're, we're trying to educate them. But you know what? It comes naturally because once she has this once a month group that she's going to, and they become incredible friends because they're sharing all this with each other and they're supporting each other. They just get activated. They light up because they want to share this great gift they've encountered in their reading group with the mom in the soccer field. So if the mom in the soccer field says some random thing about her son being on the phone too much, she's ready. I mean, she knows exactly how to help her and what to say and what kind of demeanor. And so we are just creating these little activists who are very articulate and loving and that and, and talking to the other side, even though they never set out to do that. That to me has been the greatest surprise and the most rewarding, one of the most rewarding um, it's very easy to think, this is Andrea, it's very easy to think that these problems are just American problems. Um, and I was delighted to see that Canavox is global. Um, and Anna Victoria is here, and she's uh, kind of the international programs manager. And I know, Dr. Samuel, your experience um, being multicultural and bicultural in your home, uh, and I had lived in South America, Gracie grew up in Mexico as well. We know that these are problems that problems that you're answering and, and explaining and helping people kind of work through our problems that aren't just uh, facing our country, but that we've successfully exported, especially into the developing world. Mm-hmm. I wonder if, um, Anna Victoria, if you could talk a little bit about your work in reaching out to uh, different leaders uh, and, and where, what their receptivity has been. 
um, uh, and kind of sharing your knowledge here, uh, it's been a little bit of a incubator to spread it out to the, the rest of the world. Yeah, absolutely. It has been fascinating to see that, you know, speaking, sometimes I'm on a call with leaders from all over the world, and I tell them that I feel like we're United Nations for marriage because all these people are, you know, the struggles are the same, and they feel alone too. So, you know, you bring them together and you give them the tools because many times, you know, when you try to explain something, it's it's hard when you don't have the right arguments especially if you're talking to somebody from a different faith. Um, but they come together and you realize, whoa, this is not a cultural issue. This is, a, this is like a worldwide issue. And people are so alone and they lack resources. So, you know, you give them this and they feel so empowered. And they start, a lot of people just come to us. They find out about us through the website and they say, oh, I'm in Ecuador. Can I, you know, how can I start a Kinovox group in Ecuador? Awesome. And you talk to them and they have the same issues that we have here. So it's really fascinating. Okay, so you mentioned your website. This is Maureen here. Um, can you let's get to the practical nature of this? How does one actually start a group? Is it as simple as inviting a few of your friends over for coffee? Um, Anna Victoria, do you want to address that for us? Absolutely. Um, the great thing about Kinovox is anybody can join. Absolutely anybody. There are no requirements. I mean, as you know, of course, we, we want to find like-minded people that agree with our principles. But other than that, there are people from all walks of life. We have PhD, PhDs. We have people that don't have degrees. We have college students. We have people that are retired. I mean, we have single people. It really is for everyone. And um, all you have to do is basically go on the website, and there's a link there to how to start a group. And most people basically just email their friends and say, hey, I really need this in my life. Um, let's get together. Let's get together once a month and let's talk about it. Um, you don't have to be a therapist or an expert in the field because it's a conversation. It's like the art of conversation. That's what Canavox is all about. And we're all learning together. And the material is just handed to you. It's, Absolutely. It, it appears on the website as if it's very simple, sort of a preset curriculum, just that you all have done an amazing job of culling through so much material out there to pick the best. It, it seems the articles you pick are, are pretty brief, actually, manageable, digestible. Um, anything you want to add about, and, uh, uh, Dr. Samuel, anything you want to add about the practical nature of starting a group? No, Anna Victoria really did a great job. We do have a, a couple of phone calls. So you, we have a, a local leader. The local leader is the one that starts the, the group. We have a local leader coordinator. So she'll, she'll set up a time to call you on the phone, just talk about it, give, just answer any questions you have. And we have a monthly online video opportunity to join at any time to talk with other local leaders around the world to participate in your own virtual reading group with other local leaders. And that's offered as an option if you want ongoing education or just more support as you run your own group. But that's really it. It's very subsidiarity-based, like start your own group, you're on your own, pick whatever sessions you want, and go. You know? I'm, I'm we looking the average person on the street. I'm looking, this is Gracie, I'm looking at your reading list, and I notice that a lot of the reading list is videos, which I think is wonderful. So many people these days jump straight to the video and skip <clears throat> Skip the reading. Do you find that your videos yeah. are make are are very popular? Yes, yes. It's like we call it click candy. A lot of people would just go <laughs> to the video first. A lot of we're trying to do more podcasts now. We have a blog called Dear Katie. We've gone into podcast mode because this form of audio communication is just so great for everybody who's just driving or running along. Yeah, so, that's right. Yeah, you can use. Yeah. There's so many times uh, gaps in our day, right? When we can be listening to right. something that can be strengthening our marriage and our and our relationships. Right. This is Andrea. I had one quick question I'm kind of struck by. In, in Washington, D.C., where we're in studio, there are a lot of young women who come, um, and they're disconnected. They don't have uh, an already made uh, source of support and friends. Uh, maybe they've got some coworkers that they're just starting to know. Can, can people, individuals, kind of get connected to a group that's already moving, or is it preferable that they start at the beginning? Anna Victoria, do you want to take that one? Sure, absolutely. Um, so 
we have what's called connect groups for people that don't have a group that near them or or they can't start a group for whatever reason. That's not our focus. Our focus is in person. That's very big for Kinovox. We want to get people to get people together and learn together. Um, but you know, you can join a group that's been going on. Um, you can start your own group. And if you can't find a group that's been going on and you can't start one, you can join a connect group, which is a closed group. Um, and it basically is just like any other reading group, but it's online. So it's video conferencing. Um, and that's a great tool for people that are, you know, that for some reason do not um, have closed groups or groups that are close to them or, or they, they can't travel, start their own. Or they or travel. Oh, yeah. Great. And how many people are normally in a group? What's a typical size group? So groups vary a lot. Um, I've had college groups. I've had moms groups. And, you know, we've had anywhere from like six to 15 people in a group. And is, do you do people segregate themselves by age or by condition, like the married young young moms versus older ladies? How does that? You know, work? it's all over the place. We've I had a um, my group at one point. We had a lot of older ladies, and the newlyweds really benefited. Hmm. No, that's beautiful, and it's nice because I was I was looking at it thinking, gosh, I'm, I've aged out. I mean, oh, no, 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 absolutely yeah. not. No, no, absolutely not. There are, you know, for example, like our college, you know, our college groups definitely tend to stay with college people. And we have a syllabus that's for college students. And the topics, tend to, the popular topics for college tend to be different than the popular ones for people that are outside of college. But other than the college groups, it's extremely varied. And I think it's so beautiful to see, for me, you know, learning from older moms and the older moms also, you know, learning from what the younger generation is experiencing. It's very, very enriching. It's absolutely. super dynamic. It's, uh, yeah, it, it is fascinating. It really brings people together in so many ways. Well, I'm starting my own. This is Gracie. I'm starting my own reading group in September. I'll have you know. And yeah. Um, isn't that fun? That's awesome. And I think I'm going to have lots of people coming to my house. Am I am I supposed to feed them when they come, or is this more casual? <laughs> <laughs> snacks are very important. Have you not learned? Snacks are very important. So maybe I'll feed them. Maybe I'll feed them when they come and keep them coming. But I, I love your reading list. I know that everybody that I reach out to is going to want to join us. So thank you for joining us. Anna, thank you Victoria for having Victoria and Dr. Samuel, thank, thank you. you. And we loved hearing about Canervox. We wish you lots of success. And thank you. Thank you. So that was Kena Vox. Wasn't that wonderful, Andrea? Wow, what incredibly dynamic women. And what a great idea. What a great idea to bring us all together. Yeah, and I'm going to start one of those reading groups in September. I hope that you do too, because you have nothing else to do, right? I'm planning on bringing snacks to Anna Victoria's reading group. That's That was our plan. We've got that settled down. Okay, perfect. I know you're good with snacks. So <laughs> next, let's go to the TCA clips. Every morning, the Catholic Association reviews all the latest news and sends our subscribers a carefully curated collection of the most important news of the day. Items are specifically selected for a smart Catholic audience. Don't let the world take you by surprise. Subscribe to our daily media roundup at thecatholicassociation.org. So I've picked out three articles that I thought were very interesting from this week's TCA clips. The first one has to do with a subject that the Canavox ladies do a lot of work on, which is gender ideology. And um, it's from the Catholic News Agency. And the title is New Vatican Document Says Gender Theory is Cultural and Ideological revolution. This came out on June 10th. It's a great article on this new document called the Con uh, Male and Female He Created Them from the Congregation for Catholic Education. Gracie, what I really loved about this piece is there's there's been a lot of news reports about the Va Vatican document, but this piece was a really helpful summary. Having said that, I think that it really behooves all of us, especially moms, to click and read the entire report to really understand what the church and the magisterium is trying to offer us to kind of uh, help get some clarity on something that seems to be so confusing and, and really confronted us so quickly. Well, this article really gives us a lot of, uh, it's, it's pretty long, the article, but, but, but the, the, the document itself is long and very complicated and very deep. And it, and it really does clarify for, for especially uh, parents and also educators 
who are trying to navigate this new gender ideology that's everywhere we look and trying to digest it for our children and explain to them the reality of being either male or female and how that reality is the basis for the family. What was really helpful, I thought, um, was where it came out of. It was it's it's the education arm, uh, helping Catholic educators and and as yeah, parents, we know that, that we're the important. first, you know, we're the first educators of our children. Whether we rely on Catholic schools or we work with uh, the public schools, we really are the ones that should be taking the lead on forming our kids. Yeah, and whether or not you are, if you have children or grandchildren in public education or even parochial education, you are seeing this uh, ideology crop up right in the classroom. because pe- And then having the difficulty of, um, as adults, not having the language to address it. Well, the other thing that was really helpful about the document is, is interwoven throughout it is an incredible love for the human person and for that's the dignity true. of men and women. And I think that that's we're so used to this combative politics in, in the U.S. especially, and the church pulls us out of that kind of defensive mode and really shines light and, and leads us where we're supposed to be going. So true. So please, everyone, read that article. If you can't get through the whole document, read the article. So the next, uh, the next article that we picked out is actually one of mine. So I did pick it out. It's called Planned Parenthood Cannot Hide Truth. Cost of abortion is high and women are paying the price. So this was in CNS News. It came out on June 11th. And it has to do with my little, um, I have this, uh, so I follow Dr. Liana Wen. She's the president of Planned Parenthood. And I follow her on Twitter because she's a doctor. And but when you say, when you say follow, Grace, you don't mean you actually follow. I think you're pursuing her and, and pursuing cleaning, her. Uh, and cleaning up all the errors that she's kind of well you know she speaks from she speaks from uh, the authority of being a physician and being a woman as the president of Planned Parenthood and this is something that has to be that I feel that I need to be refuting all the time so the article is part of that refutation and it's all about how even though they have a very sympathetic woman and a doctor at the head of Planned Parenthood and they're sending her out to all the talk shows and she's, you know, she's, she really is a sympathetic woman, the way she speaks, she's very gentle. Still, she cannot uh, cover the fact that Planned Parenthood is a misogynistic institution that victimizes women because, well, yeah. One of the things that I loved about your article, Gracie, is um, you really do pull the curtain on Planned Parenthood um, and show them for what they are. And we're really trying to help and advance the cause of women and, and Planned Parenthood isn't doing that. They're not concerned about women's health care and are undermining her well-being. Okay, maybe I'll give you like the last, the last uh, sentence. The cost of abortion is high and it is women who are paying through the nose, the female fetuses with their lives and the mothers with their money, physical pain and remorse. Go ahead and send Dr. Wen to all the talk shows, Planned Parenthood, but don't count on her being able to hide the truth from us. That's the end of the article. So do check it out. And the last article that we picked out is one from a much better writer, Archbishop Shapiro. And he wrote a great piece in Crisis Magazine where he addresses the issue of uh, the way that Joe Biden has flipped on something that he's been he's been very steady on, which was the Hyde Amendment, the protection for American taxpayers from using their money to fund abortion through federal programs. He's been very strong on that for many years, and he finally succumbed to pressure from the left, well, really from the whole Democratic Party, and uh, said that he will, that just like everyone else, he won't support the Hyde Amendment. Well, and it, I think Archbishop Chapu always writes with such great eloquence, and I, it's clear that he is a concerned pastor for all of the faithful and for Americans in general. And what he, one of the things that he points out is something that he called the silent apostasy. And it's really how people sitting back and being swept with what seems to be popular, even if it's untrue and harmful to people around us, um, are really doing an injustice to their own lives, their own interior lives, and to the church in general. So this is a little, a little clip from, the, from his article. Apostasy is an interesting word. It comes from the Greek verb apostanai, which means to revolt or desert, literally to stand away from. So, 
you know, I think it's wonderful that he pulls it into theologically. This is this isn't just a political issue. This is really standing away from one of the basics of our from the basis of our faith to call ourselves Catholics and then to not stand up for human dignity is is nonsensical. Well, and I think what we're really called to be right now today is courageous Catholics. Yeah. And we need more more people willing to throw their hat in the ring to be politicians and live their faith with courage. Yeah, I wish that Joe Biden had 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 that kind of courage because it's hard <laughs> no, to there's see. There's still time. There's, there's still, time. still time. I would I would love him to do another Vuelta Canela and do a flip-flop back to uh, what is good, true, and beautiful and defending the Hyde Amendment. Okay, so we can pray for that. You can find the links to these articles that we just talked about on the podcast show notes. To subscribe to the podcast and to the media clips, go to thecatholicassociation.org. This week, as is customary, Father Roger Landry gives us a short but brilliant homily on this coming Sunday's Gospel. Please stay tuned for Father Landry and do look up his daily homily written in audio on his website, www.catholicpreaching.com. Every week we ponder conversations with consequences. In this Sunday, Trinity Sunday in the Church, we enter into the most consequential conversation of all time. The future Pope Benedict, in a 1982 book called Feast of Faith, described the Trinity as a conversation. In Greek, the word that normally refers to God as logos, or reason, or logic, or word. But the future Pope Benedict said that it's most accurately a conversation. And when we look at the Blessed Trinity, we have a conversation of persons. Father totally giving himself over, non-verbally we would say, to the Son. The Son, who is called the Word, giving himself back to the Father. And that mutual exchange of persons is so strong that it takes on the personality of the Holy Spirit. It becomes a third person. And the biggest point of human life is for us to enter into that conversation, who is God? Every Sunday is, in a very real sense, dedicated to God. And therefore, every Sunday is and is meant to be a Trinity Sunday. But since the 1300s, the Church is celebrated on the Sunday immediately following Pentecost, a feast dedicated to the Holy Trinity, to help all of us focus more explicitly on who God is in his profound mysterious depths, and therefore who we're called to be in his image and likeness. We, like God, are called to enter into that communion of persons and love made by the conversation of the exchange of persons. The mystery of the Holy Trinity, we read in one of the key paragraphs in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, is the central mystery of the Christian faith and life. It's a central mystery note, not just with regard to what we believe, but how we live. The Catechism goes on to say why. It's the mystery of God in himself. It's therefore the source of all the other mysteries of the faith, the light that enlightens them. It's the most fundamental and essential teaching in the hierarchy of truths. Mystery of the Trinity, in other words, illumines the mystery of how we were created, the mystery of how we were redeemed, the mystery of how we're made holy. It illumines every page of sacred scripture, helps us to understand the commandments. It sheds light on the four last things. It reveals what is at the root of all the sacraments and prayer. It unveils for us the deepest reason for the dignity of every human life and person. And the work of God is to help us enter this mystery. Jesus took on our human nature in order to bring us into that conversation. He brought the human race into the communion of God by his incarnation, has taken on our flesh. The work of the Holy Spirit is to incorporate you and me into that conversation so that we're able to cry out, Abba, Father. And that conversation happens in the church. That's where God does all his work, forming us to be this communion of persons in love, resembling the Trinity. Jesus had prayed during the Last Supper that we would be one just as the Father is in him and he is in the Father. So this is the great consequential conversation that we mark this weekend. One last thought. It's also Father's Day, and as we pray for our fathers living and dead, we remember the call of fatherhood to exemplify the self-giving of God the Father, and in that sacrifice of oneself, in that love, to form a communion of persons in a family. 
Today we turn to God the Father and we ask him in a special way to bless all the fathers so that in their conversations with their wives and kids, they might reflect a little bit of that interpersonal, eternal conversation who is God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God bless you all. Thank you, Father Landry. Now back in studio, and we've had such a wonderful discussion with our ladies from Canavox. I know I'll be starting my reading group in September. What about you, Maureen? You know, I, I totally feel inspired to also start a group. It, it looks like it is, um, they sort of hand you the curriculum. And, you know, we moms can get so isolated because we're so busy dealing with our kids and uh, juggling so many things that it's easy to, you know, let it go by the wayside, actually getting together with friends. So I think it's a great opportunity to get together with friends, talk about uh, issues so important to the culture, and get ourselves better educated on these things. Well, Gracie, this is Andrea. Um, Anna, Victoria, and I are neighbors and have kids in the same school. And so I think as long as I bring a good bag full of snacks, I can just jump on into her group. <laughs> and I won't have to be as courageous as the two of you in starting my own, but um, benefit from all of the research and all of the friendship that they've well, developed. What I like is that I guess you don't have to be courageous to start a reading group. All you have to <laughs> do is follow the path marked out at uh, com. So that was really wonderful, and I, 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 I'm super glad we met them. Aren't we? Aren't we glad we met them? It was really great. What? <laughs> incredible women. You've been listening to Conversations with Consequences, a service of the Catholic Association. I'm your host, Gracie Christie, joined today in studio by my colleagues Maureen Ferguson and Andrea Picciotti-Bear. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast of this show wherever you get your podcasts or go to thecatholicassociation.org.